This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Mark Livesey is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. Can't say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. All right. So I'm sitting here and I am talking to... Brian Barney. And Brian, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for the listeners who don't know who you are? Yeah, so my name's Brian Barney. I work for Eastman's Hunting Journal. So um, do a bunch of their writing, uh, videography, and then I run a podcast, Eastman's Elevated. And um, man, I pretty much dedicated the last 20 years of my life to backcountry bow hunting. I absolutely love adventure. Uh, and, and I love everything that the lower 48 has to offer. So I'm getting pumped. We're down to final countdown and I'm five days away from the start of my season. So you caught me at a good time, Luke. <laughs> so it's the start of your season. What, what are you going after then? You doing like velvet mule deer or what's going on? Yep. I've got a couple high country mule deer hunts, which I absolutely love. Like it, it takes place in the most extreme of environments, uh, above timberline, Alpen basins, um, giant bucks and, and those bucks of our dreams, like they, they exist in today's day and age. I mean, you can find them 30 inches wide and 200 inches and stickers and kickers. And so, um, <laughs> Man, this is like, uh, I'm going back to a mountain range I haven't been since 2015. Uh, so I've hunted this range a couple times. It's just an awesome range. And so um, 
Yeah, man. Um, my Stoke level is at a 10 for sure. Maybe an 11. Brian, I'm pretty sure your Stoke level is always at a 10 or 11. So I can't imagine if you're actually truly excited <laughs> more than you already are most of the time. But uh, you're being modest. I mean, not only that, but you run a construction company and you do all kinds of other stuff too. You're always running every day. And that's kind of what I wanted to get you on and talk to you because, I mean, it's guys like you who are like, it, it's it's inspirational to watch the, the motivation, the drive and everything that you have. And I kind of want to just get an insight into that because a lot of people might not know this if they, they've never hiked with you or they've never hunted with you, but you have the nickname, the Mountain Goat. And for good reason, because not a lot of people can keep up with you. And I remember one time we were sitting there and we were glassing actually at, at the summit. And uh, I said, you know, maybe when Brian's in his late 60s or early 70s, I'll be able to keep up with him on the mountain. And you turn and look at me and you go, nah, I doubt it. <laughs> you'll never you'll never beat me to the summit because you said you'll always. <laughs> I don't know about that. No. Uh, you definitely have a chance to beat me in my 60s and 70s. But my point is, I'm going to keep myself in really good shape and rip these mountains, man. Um, Yeah, the, the these backcountry hunts, um, they're wild. Like, I learned these lessons early in my life that the harder I worked at something, uh, the more I could achieve. And and the more work that I put into backcountry bow hunting, and, and, and it almost required it. Like, backcountry bow hunting is so challenging, and, and it's so demanding, and, and it takes me to my... To, to my limits, both physically and mentally. And so, you know, I started working and training towards these hunts. And I mean, success rates on these backcountry bow hunts, I mean, they run anywhere from 5% to maybe 15, 20% in the best of units. And so that's, that's one buck every 20 years or one buck every five years, which, you know, I just wasn't happy with the, those success odds, or I wanted to beat those odds. And so uh, the more I worked at it, and the more I put into it, the more I could achieve and the better I felt on the these hunts the more i enjoyed it it's also like the more you put into something like uh, the the more enjoyment you get out of it or or the more that goes in the 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 amount of uh of work that you put in prior to season like it just means more when you accomplish your goals so yeah i, I took up running again and started with 5ks and 10ks and things and started to see some success not only from that but working on all facets of hunting from my stalking skill physical fitness mental toughness which is also built through training uh, through my shooting like i've gone deep down all of these rabbit holes to improve all these skill sets to so when I show up at the trailhead, I'm undeniable, or at least I like to think I am. But backcountry bow hunting has a way of humbling me and everyone else. And so it just takes this complete dedication. And so, yeah, the harder I work, the more success I saw, the more enjoyment I saw. And so, man, I'm all in. It seems like I'm I'm pushing my limits uh, of what I'm capable of, like every season, every place I go. So, yeah, it's been a really fun journey, man. So, I mean, are you still doing ultra marathon type stuff or is that kind of to the wayside or how, how's that going? Yeah. So, um, I did, I started off doing races and doing marathons. I did a bunch of marathons and then I started taking to the trails and I ran some ultra marathons. Uh, but I pretty much am bow hunting or thinking about bow hunting all year. And the reason I started this was to be a better bow hunter. And so when I started doing these ultras, they just take so much time, like so much time training, uh, time away from my family to get ready for a hundred miler or whatever. And so, yeah, I got a couple ultras under my belt and it's just kind of not my deal. Like I'd rather be training for hunting season and then 
like a, a big part of my training would take away from my spring bear season. So it's great. I ran an ultra, but I didn't kill a spring black bear with my bow. And that bothered me. Like, uh, <laughs> I had my priorities uh, messed up. And so like bow hunting is what I love to do and what I want to spend my time doing. So, uh, I, I run and it's a huge part of my training and my mental training. Uh, but I haven't entered a race in probably, it's probably been like six or seven years, um, but I run trails every day. I run elevation every day. And, and that's the key for me. And also like, I try to get these long runs in or these big pushes where, you know, every week I'm doing a double digit mile run or I'm running in the heat or I'm going and gaining 3000 feet of vert. And so really I found my happiness doing that. And when I do these ultras, after I was done, I'd be so burnt out of running that I'd have to take a couple weeks off to recover or a month off to recover. And, and um, it's just not good for my psyche. Like I do good when I'm putting in work day in, day out. And so like I'm a, I'm a six day a week or a seven day a week runner. And, you know, if I blow myself up, then I'm not good for the next week or the next few days or whatever. So I've kind of found my happy medium with running and my enjoyment level with running and training. So uh, I haven't entered any of those races for a while now. No, that's pretty cool, though. You mentioned that, that you try and you, you strive to push yourself to get at least double digits, you know, throughout the week. Is that something that you came up with and and like set as a goal? Or was it something that you just automatically strive to do to try and push yourself further and further man it's wild i mean like the body adapts to the stress you put on it so the more you run like you know the first five mile run with uh 1500 feet of vertical you know you get done with that and you're tired and your legs are worn out and maybe sore the next couple days and and then your body starts to get used to that to where you know, I know I'm getting a workout, but I, I'm not balling myself up or I'm not pushing my limits. And so uh, it's just something that's come over time, like an evolution of running that just works really good for me. But those long runs, man, they're so good for me, like uh, uh, to have my legs burnt out or tired or fatigued and have to keep putting one foot in front of the other or to have those feelings in my head telling, oh, you should just head back or uh, you should go back and to fight through those feelings like I. I build a lot of physical fitness from that and also mental strength, that discipline of making myself do it and, and doing things that are difficult. Like we, um, we grow through adversity. And so the more times I can put myself in these tough situations in my training, like the easier it's going to be on a 10 day backpack hunt when I'm absolutely burnt, my legs are fatigued. Like I know I've ran all year long and I've done these tough ones and like I pride myself on getting out. I mean, we have Montana winters where it's 20 below snow blowing sideways at 30 miles an hour. And I get home in, in the dark from my construction job and I lace up my shoes and I go run. I make myself do it. And so when it comes to season and going and seeing what's over that next ridge or making a stock on that buck, like I have no limitations. I can go anywhere and I can trust my body and trust my mind to get me there. And so I get a lot of that through my training. No, that's awesome. I actually kind of just for the first time pushed myself that far in a little while and it wasn't even that big of a a deal, but for somebody who didn't do that level of uh fitness or something like that, like I've always been able to just mentally say, "Okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get there." It it's always been on my own pace or my own time or whatever, but actually racing against myself and so I went to the beast mode archery and I did, it was the mini, it wasn't the full one, but so we had, uh, Brian came up with a whole set of different stuff we were doing. And it was like, I was smoked 
after the first set and, you know, dragging a sled up, up a ski hill and all that kind of stuff and, you know, over-unders and carrying stuff and, and then burpees and then pick up your bow and have to shoot it and actually try and make a shot placement and get shot penalties for uh, not hitting it. So then it, you look at your time and you're like, man, I know I could do better than that. And it was the first time, like, in a long time that I'd actually pushed myself like that. And it was amazing, even though I dreaded it. That first round, I completely dreaded it. And I was like, this sucks. I can't believe I got to go again. But the time, it was time for me to get back up there. I jumped up there and I did it and I actually beat my time. But I screwed myself on my shots. But ever since I did that, there's been something in my head that just keeps clicking. And it's like, you could do better than that. I know you can do better than that. Why don't you push yourself and do better than that? And it's kind of started this this internal drive to where now I'm competing against myself, nobody else, just myself to see how far I can take it. And, and it's kind of cool. It's neat because I haven't experienced that in quite a while. Dude, that's so killer. (laughs) It's what it's all about, man. Um, yeah. And it's same thing for me. Like running now comes pretty easy. Long runs comes pretty easy. I've been doing it for so many years. It's just normal to me. It's not effort for me, but yeah, for me, it's doing those difficult things like you're talking about. Like I'm, I'm not a CrossFit guy, even though I do have to keep my upper body strong and I'm always doing body weights, pull-ups, push-ups, kettlebell workouts and things. But, but yeah, I mean, I struggle with those CrossFit workouts for sure. And the competitiveness and pushing myself to my limits. And so, yeah, it's like making us do the things that we don't want to (laughs) do. Like that is mental toughness. And every time you do, it's adding those layers or putting yourself in uncomfortable situations like um, uh, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know, it's like uh, the, the more we can push ourselves, just the better overall backcountry hunter we can be and overall, you know, backcountry human or, you know, just human in general. Like, um, man, if you can tackle some of those things, it, it makes those problems at work seem smaller, makes those issues seem so- smaller. It's like, especially when you're in like an endurance run and the only thing you want to do is stop, but you keep going, like you gain strength through that. So yeah, man, it's all about adding those layers of toughness and uh, they pay dividends come season. That's for sure. So one of the things I've been doing lately, and it's not every day, but when I get up a couple days a week, I get up and I run in the morning before work, go down in the basement and hit the treadmill. Lately, it's been Montana trails with one of the iFit trainers, kind of cool. And I get the elevation that way too. But I'll go up after that and I'll take a shower before work and I've been taking a cold shower Mm. and then, and then I get out and I I actually, it's great. Like kind of sucks for that first minute or so. And then, you know, you're over that hump and you just do it and you get out. But so then I've been going into work and some of the guys are like, man, why are you so freaking upbeat? And then I'm like, well, this is what I've been doing every morning. And they say, that sounds absolutely miserable. And my response to him was, you know what though? everything after that is going to be downhill and easy. My hard part of the day is already over. (laughs) And it's like, it it feels good. It feels good to do that. But um, it's not quite Brian Barney level for sure. Cause (laughs) I don't know. Oh, it is, man. So how do you get there though? (laughs) Yeah. I hate the cold water. Uh, Like I do a lot of heat training with saunas and heat work. Like I always run in the hottest part of the day, but yeah, I was lacking that cold water training or that, that cold environment training, which you get some of those cold shock proteins. Uh, There's so many studies about the benefits uh, uh, of like uh, cold training like that. So yeah, I mean, my daughters are laughing at me as I'm standing outside in my underwear in the middle of the winter (laughs) or like 
like you are those cold showers and they're tough to get into and tough for me to do. And I absolutely hate it. And so that's why I do it. I've also been running into this Alpen Lake and then I'll go soak myself in that Alpen Lake up there. Uh, that's glacial fed, that's super cold, you know? So same thing, man, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get, uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable. So I'm doing that same cold shower training for sure. So what else have you been doing to kind of, I mean, over the years or, or something that you've incorporated lately to try and get that mental toughness or that edge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I draw a lot from like these backcountry hunts. I draw a lot from scouting trips, draw, draw a lot from like this run training, um, you know, and, and making myself do the things I don't want to do like the cold water training or like, you know, running comes easy to me. And, and it seems like, you know, I never feel like stretching, but it's so important to my flexibility. So that's something that I'm doing each and every night. Instead of sitting on the couch, I'm doing my stretches off the couch and, um, you know, making sure that I stay flexible. Like us guys, we lose our flexibility and a big part of strength is flexibility. Like when my back would go out, it wasn't because I was lacking strength. It was because I'd turn in an awkward position and my back would go out or something. And so gaining that flexibility has been huge. And so like, it's just doing all the little little things that add up to season. And, and also like for me to get ready for season, it's this physical training and this mental training, but it's also making sure that I have my mind, right? Like, um, like you say, I run a construction company and, um, you know, how you do one thing in life is how you do everything. So how I backcountry hunt is how I run my construction company. Like I want to do what I say and deliver on the, the words that I tell my clients. And so a lot of my, my, uh, the things I'm doing this time of year is like, you know, making sure my wife feels loved and making sure I'm spending time with her and the kids. And if I've got enough energy to run, I've got enough energy to go up and do the dishes or cook dinner or whatever it is, but just making sure that they're fulfilled and that they know that I love them. Cause, um, it's getting ready to be uh, go time where I'm going to be gone from the house a lot and they understand and support that. But, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing my part and taking my daughter's senior pictures, which she's allowing me to do. And, and then at work, just trying to follow through. And I'm, I'm about five days away from leaving and I got to do about 10 days worth of work in this time. So just trying to be real efficient and effective with my time, working mornings, working evenings, working throughout the day, just making sure that I get everything done so I can have my mind right. Like the worst thing in the world is to take time off and to not enjoy that time off, to be stressed and thinking about work or thinking about your family or thinking about where you should be. So a huge part of my game this year is just getting my mind right, like getting ready for these hunts, getting ready to be totally immersed and present in the experience so I can give it my absolute all where, um, you know, and a lot of that is just taking care of my responsibilities. And maybe I've got too much work going right now or whatever <laughs> the case is. But, um, you know, I like to be busy. I just uh, I really like to have my time time to go chase my dreams in the mountains as well, you know? And so it is a tough balance, but yeah, just trying to find that balance right now, get my mind right for like these really tough hunts where I know I'm going to face adversity. So I got to ask you, cause you kind of mentioned that all these different things that you're doing and trying to, trying to get your mind right and all that. And the organizational effectiveness is what comes to my mind. And what do you do to stay on track or what do you do to, uh, stay effective, you know, organizational type effectiveness as far as that? I mean, are you just t- constantly typing reminders in your phone or what, what, what are you doing to keep on track? 
Yeah, I, I wish I was the most organized guy out there and I'm I'm not. I fly by the seat of my pants a lot. But it's like you once you do these jobs for a while, whether it's a podcast or construction company, you kind of get the ins and outs and when things need to happen. And so yeah, I'm definitely a list maker. Like I keep a booklet and that booklet is my journal for, you know, the time being until I fill it up. And so I write everything in there. And then as far as um keeping schedules, like I used to be able to keep everything straight in my head for this week and for next week and anymore I've just got too many things and so it's pretty much like making a, a note on my calendar anytime I have a meeting or an event or anything I've got to do uh, set a reminder on it like um, just make sure I'm on top of my game and I'm not missing anything and so that's a big part of my organization and then like on these job sites just making sure I'm in front of it making sure I'm in front of ordering trim and calling subs and you know make sure I'm checking in with everybody and uh, giving the clients uh, updates and 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 really it's managing expectations letting these clients know what we can do and what we can't do um, you know and then hold them to that and and uh, you know they hired me to be a leader on their job site and so I, I try to lead from the front and lead from my uh, my actions. And so lately we're finishing up a house. I'm handing off to the clients on Friday, two days before I leave on this hunt. And um, so, yeah, we're just, uh, we're busting it, trying to get everything done. And same thing as a backcountry hunt. It's uh, There's hurdles and there's challenges, but you just make your best decisions. You move forward, you be honest with people and um, deliver, deliver the best, the absolute best house I can, you know? So uh, it's not like a, like super organizational. It's just like, I just try to keep it straight day to day, mark things on my calendar and just try to be in front of it and be as responsible as I can be. No, that's good. I always liked, I always liked doing the punch list. That was like my favorite thing because there's a sense of completion there. You know, it's like, it's, it's something has come full circle to where you're fixing the minor little details before it's completely done and over with. Those are always cool feelings. <laughs> Oh, super cool. Yeah. They, um, they, it always feels good to finish them and they're, they're a marathon, not a sprint too. You know, it's like hundreds of thousands of man hours that go into them and organization. And, you know, it's definitely had its challenges over the last year, which is uh, material availability, sub availability. Like it's, it's always something like, um, being a, being a contractor is, is problem solving. Same thing as being a backcountry hunting, uh, hunter. It's like problem solving back there. It's like you go back with the, the best intentions and the best laid game plan and mother nature can rain on you for five days or can snow on you or big lightning storms, or you run into hunting pressure. Or you don't find animals where you think you are. Like there's, there's always these challenges you're going to face every hunt. And I, I try to like go into them, uh, with, with expectations or knowing what I'm going to face. And it seems like they're always tougher when I get there. And I think it's what I love about it is it's so challenging and, and even dedicating my life to it, you know, the entire year and training form, it's still, I know it's, it's, you know, I'm going to have to ride the, the, the ebbs and flows and the highs and lows of the hunt. I know I'm going to have to give it my absolute all, and I can never rest on my laurels. Like I can never rest on a buck that I shot last year and I shot a great big buck and here I'm this great hunter because if you go into season like that, you're going to fail. Like none of these animals uh, know my previous accomplishments or what I've done. Like I have to prove it each and every year. And so it's what keeps me hard, keeps me grinding and um, keeps me mentally strong and hard so I can go into these, these hunts and give them my all. So yeah, man, it's super fun. No, that's, that's awesome. So um, what's kind of the, what's one of the first things, when Brian Barney wakes up and gets out of bed, what's rolling through your head? 
Like, is it what you got to do for the day or is it some type of motivation? What what are you thinking about? Yeah, it's um, morning time is just getting to that get into that punch list, like starting to get things knocked off. And so I wake up first things first, cup of coffee, 15 minutes, uh, wake up. And then usually I'm working on the podcast in the morning. I'm working on, um, uh, uh, phone calls, subs. I'm, I'm getting everything done in those couple hours of morning before I have to be on the job site and, and work or get things done. And so like, I just kind of get right to it in the morning and start checking things off my list, but yeah, it's, it's not, you know, I don't have many motivational thoughts in the morning or anything like it's just trying to get done and be productive for the day. And usually I'm an afternoon runner. Usually it's like, I don't work out in the mornings very often. Like I will, if it's the weekends or, you know, maybe I'll do some push-ups or some pull-ups and get my heart rate going. But for the most part, I just get right to work. And then, um, afternoons are when I get my workouts done and, and, uh, get my runs in usually my shooting, my bow and that, that deal, even though in the morning time, if I walk by that bow, I've got to fire a couple arrows out of it <laughs> that's awesome that's one thing i i wish i did more of is shoot my bow like that you know first thing in the morning or whatever normally it's not till way later in the afternoon it's a few shots here and there but i need to work on that and i will um so i gotta ask you though what what inspires you like what makes you just like really think about things in a different perspective or or it it tries it not necessarily motivation but like what inspires you what what makes you think wow that's really cool i need to try and aspire to do that better yeah good question yeah i i'd say you know i get a lot of motivation from others like i love watching like some of goggin stuff is great and i get motivation out of that but as far as like personal inspiration like like i um I think it's just this, this will to, to be at my best and be the best version of myself. Like it's, um, you know, when I get down like anybody else and like stress is tough, like in the construction business and wanting to deliver and, and, and wanting to do all the things I do, like, um, there's stress that comes. And so I just try to handle it as it comes. But, um, as far as motivation, like I love the entire process of backcountry bow hunting. I fell in love with it. And it seems like each year my love grows. Like, I enjoy being out there. I enjoy the chess match of trying to get within a stone's throw of a, of a wary animal of old, older age class buck or older age class bull. And in this challenge, like, like to, to be at my very best, like I, I love playing the game. I love preparing for it. I, I love uh, being on a hunt. I love the, the grueling nature of it. And so all of this is just kind of worked into a lifestyle for me where, you know, I don't know, you know, definitely big bucks motivate me. And sure, I'd love to chase big ones and, and arrow big ones. But if you weren't enough before a big buck, you won't be enough after, you know, it's like, it's, it's not the accomplishment that I'm chasing. It's, it's more the journey. It's like the entire process. Uh, I love the training. I, I love the hunts. I love, you know, the stock is such the payoff for me, like those thrilling moments of heart pounding action, where, where my moves directly dictate whether I arrow that animal or not. And you have to make a hundred right decisions in those moments and be quiet and play the wind and uh, stay out of sight and use the ungulation. And it's, it's this really tough moving target that takes like uh, uh, ultimate dedication. And so like, I just want to be ready for that and ready for those opportunities. And so 
like I, I, it's a tough question, like what my inspiration is, but I, I think it's, I think it's adventure. I think it's enjoying backcountry hunting. I think it's getting the most out of myself. I think it's like, um, uh, being in the, the best shape. Like I take a lot of pride in being in good shape or take a lot of pride in being clutch and being able to make those shots. And so like, I, I think it's just this personal quest or this personal enjoyment that I've found through backcountry bow hunting where it, it's just part of my life at this point it, it doesn't even feel like I'm trying to motivate myself it's just like it's almost part of me if that makes sense no that's awesome I kind of started picking up on that um, if you look at people that that are successful like your success in the backcountry it's unrelated to anybody else and it's not inspired by anybody else just like my success may be inspired by somebody else, but that's only going to take you so far unless you actually motivate yourself and push yourself to those limits. You're never going to be successful because you're going to be chasing somebody else's dream. And I think that's pretty cool that you said that in the way you said that, because it totally makes sense. Like who else is going to do the things that David Goggins has done other than David Goggins? And who is he going to beat at certain things without just pushing himself? Because I mean, he's, Obviously, he's in his own class, so it's it's kind of neat to 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 see that perspective, and I've kind of seen that. And now it's not so much competing against other people; like I'm competing with myself to strive with myself to be better, to be the best I can be, and perfect that. And I think that's pretty cool because the way you worded that was perfect. You're you're competing against yourself to get that experience. You're trying to to motivate yourself and get the inspiration from the entire journey i like the way that was phrased so that's pretty cool oh good i felt like i was rambling so i'm <laughs> glad it made sense to somebody at least <laughs> so i gotta ask you though what's your like what's the biggest thing that haunts you about something you've done or had happen in the back country that like you still think about to this day and and want to try and like rectify that or something Man, um, it's like I try not to carry too much regret with me, but there's definitely, you know, uh, the animals that I've harvested, I've harvested some great trophies and like I'd, um, I, I'm, I'm so proud of, of these accomplishments and things, but for every one of those, there's at least one I screwed up, if not two or three, you know, and so like, like I've just messed up and I just try to look at it and I, I try not to let it get me too down. Like, uh, you, you make mistakes and failure is a prerequisite of bow hunting. Like, uh, even the best, like we fail all the time. I'm going to fail this year, whether that's fail on a stock, fail on a shot. Like it just happens no matter how hard you prepare. Like it's tough to be perfect because the animals just, um, you know, they're fighting for their survival and they're, they're crafty and they've evolved from thousands of years of avoiding predators. And so they're just going to win some of these battles, you know, it's just going to happen. And so like, I haven't had any major regret because, uh, I've always lived to hunt another day. Like I haven't pushed my safety to the place that where I've hurt myself in the back country, you know, sure. I've messed up some stocks and I've messed up some shots that I'd surely want back. But for me, it's just like looking at those and improving and getting better and being ready for the next one that I, that I know I can create. And just like, I, like I started saying, like those bucks of our dreams, those bulls of our dreams are out there. And I know I can create an opportunity on them and it's just being ready for it. And it's like learning from all these failures to become better and better in those moments. So I don't make them again. And so, you know, in a lot of these mistakes, 
Um, you know, I, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Like I, it takes me a while to learn from them too. Like I, sometimes I'll make the same mistake and I'll have to make it three times before I finally learn my lesson and it becomes a hard rule for me. Uh, but, but I just continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to get better. And, and I really don't have many regrets. I would say like, uh, you know, if I ever had a regret or if I ever have a regret, it'd be giving in too early or not giving my full effort or uh, letting myself make excuses. Like uh, it's really easy to make excuses on a hunt, um, you know, why I wasn't successful or why it didn't come together. And and like I, I regret using those excuses. Like I want to be real honest with myself. And 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 when I fail or I, I don't reach the goal that I've set forth, I need to accept that and take responsibility for it. And so I've just learned through those that, you know, it, even during a tough hunt, I'm going to be way harder on myself if I give in early, then it's going to be way harder on me if I give in early than if I just keep hunting because I'll beat myself up for an entire <laughs> year for giving up too early. But if I put in full effort and I give my absolute all and I go for it and I come up short, I don't feel so bad about that one. You know that I just chalk that up to the animals were better than me. Uh, you know, maybe it was the, the unit I chose, you know, whatever the case is, it's like, I just chalk that up and try to learn from it. So I would say those would be some of my regrets, but I, I really like, it's, um, I've heard, uh, Joe Montana say like, uh, uh, you, you don't focus on the failures. You, you focus on the, on the successes. And so really, when you ask me that question, it's tough for me to even come up with like a major <laughs> regret I have, you know, was there ever like a, a ridge that you wish you would have crossed or, or a place that you've, you've thought about going and never quite went there and just haven't made it back. Something like that. Yeah, surely there's some of those spots um, where it's going to take another gear. And then I'm going back to like one of my favorite places on planet earth this year for a high country mule deer hunt. It's going to be in Colorado. It's above 13,000 feet. And yeah, there's a basin where I saw, one of the heaviest, biggest bucks I've seen in there, like a good, you know, 195 or whatever the case, like a giant, big, heavy, old Colorado mule deer. And I saw him in this basin with no approach to him and in no approach. Um, you know, I say that as there is cliffs in between us, me and him, you know, there's a way to get to that buck. And I didn't find it on that trip. Um, even though there was a giant buck on that hillside and, and yeah, it was definitely challenging and I don't have ropes to make it down <laughs> these cliff faces or anything, but there's a way to make it to that buck. It may take me a bunch of miles and a bunch of effort to go all the way around, but there's a way to kill that buck. So you can guarantee this year, like there's multiple basins I hunt, uh, but I'm going to go up and take a look at this secluded basin where that giant lived up and through there and just see what's living in there. So I'm sure there's, there's places places over the years that I haven't gone or, um, you know, chose the right place to, to hide the, the wrong place or the right place, or, you know, it, it's like, a you're really relying a lot on your instincts of where you want to go and what you want to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, gosh, I really feel like I find that next gear and, and cover the country I want to go to for the most part. No, that's so it kind of leads me to another question. Have you ever brought climbing gear to try and get to an animal? No, you know, I just don't have the skills with that stuff to try to get down to them as far as rock climbing gear and that. Um, I do push my limits. Like, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I've pushed it a little far at times. Um, you talk about regrets. There's been a couple times where I've pushed it a little bit too far. 
Um, I feel really comfortable in the steep and I feel really comfortable mountaineering. Most of mine is all free climbing, you know, ropes just weigh a lot. I thought when I got a goat hunt, I was going to bring ropes in and you know, I've definitely had them in the truck before. Um, but you know, I I've never had to use them to repel, to shoot anything. And, and even with those goats, it's catching them in the right spots. And with those, with those mule deer, like, um, you know, I have been caught free climbing quite a bit. And like on the construction crew, I'm always the guy that does the high stuff, the highest roofs, <laughs> the highest peaks, the most exposure. That's my job. And so I'm real good on the steep and, and sometimes a bit overconfident. Now I don't do a bunch of climbing, like my limited experience with it. Uh, but I've definitely pushed my limits. Like, um, I remember this giant buck in Colorado one time and, um, he was down in this, this group of trees and there was like this avalanche shoot that ran down to him. And, and, uh, I'm trying to look and see if I can negotiate this avalanche shoot. And right about then I see a doe and a fawn pop up from it. I think, well, gosh, if a, if a doe and a fawn can come up that thing, I can surely go down it. And so I started down it and, uh, those deer did not come from that avalanche shoot. I'll just tell you that right now. Like they had to come from the side basin and got into the shoot and came up there was something, but they did not come up that shoot because it was all I could do to free climb down that thing, put my <laughs> bow on my backpack, three points of contact and actually get that, that nervous sweat. Like when you, when you get so far down and you really can't go up and can't go down and almost start to get frozen with fear on it, which is the worst place to be on a roof or on steep and, you know, really had to gather myself and take some deep breaths and climb down. So there was a sketchy situation there. Another one where I took this land bridge that saved me losing a couple thousand feet of elevation and gaining a couple thousand feet. And I thought I could make it okay. And it just kept getting steeper and steeper where, you know, eventually I'm standing on a 60 degree rock slope trying to bounce off this, this rock slide where it's just like, you know, this is way safer to go to the bottom of this drainage and come back up the other side than it is to try to walk this land bridge. But I was already committed because I had already crossed so much steep. And, you know, I was halfway across it, like going back was as tough as going forward at that point. So there's definitely been some points where I pushed it a little too far. Um, and, and then the three first rules of backcountry hunting are safety, safety, and safety. Live to hunt another day. No bucks worth dying for. And so a lot of these slopes that I, that I go down or that I try to negotiate, like, I just want to make sure that I'm really smart. And um, definitely in, in my younger years, I, I made some mistakes, but again, trying to learn from those and be better and make better decisions. But yeah, definitely been on the edge with those mule deer. So it's not really mistakes made if you if you took something away from it. If you took something away from it, it's considered a lesson learned, right? It's 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 no longer a mistake made. It's a lesson learned. It may be a hard lesson sometimes, but it's always a lesson learned. It's one of the things that I've picked up. You can call it a mistake because it is a mistake. You screwed up. But if you take something valuable away from that, it no longer becomes a mistake. It becomes a lesson learned. And that's the way I've been trying to like put things in perspective and learn from them. Everything you do, as long as you learn from it, something is going to benefit that. So like you said, it's not really a mistake anymore, right? <laughs> oh yeah. You're spot on. That's exactly right. Yeah. I haven't died yet. So it's all good. <laughs> so speaking of that, you just made a trip. You were out there at the Fieldcraft uh, headquarters have you, and you're talking about the, the rules of, you know, no buck is worth dying for safety first, all that stuff. You were out there Fieldcraft. Did you up your med kit? Yes. Um, I definitely talked to him about upping my med kit. Um, yeah, I, I have 
my med kit is is pitiful. Like uh, <laughs> that is not what you want to have me on a podcast talking about. But it has gotten better. I talked to my my cousin who's a, a EMT. He's worked as a firefighter. He's now a chief of the station. Really good with his EMT stuff. And so yeah, he gave me some pointers. And so I've upped my kit a little bit better than duct tape, but it isn't much. So are you at least carrying like a tourniquet or a rat's tourniquet or something I, like that? Or are you just going to solely rely get, on the belt? I meant to get a tourniquet and um, I'm embarrassed to say I don't have one for this trip. I was going to add that to my kit. Um, prime it gosh, up. I mean, prime it up. Brian. Yeah. You can get you can get three rats tourniquets for like fifty four dollars. They're super lightweight. They're stretchy. You might even be able to use it as a belt or something if you broke your belt or whatever. I mean, it could have a multiple use. And you can get it like the next day. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like you get three of them for like 54 bucks. If you want to get one, you can get one for 20. One's better than none, but two is one. So just remember that. Yeah, copy. No, I, <laughs> I do need to get a tourniquet. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely important. Like in that backcountry is so dangerous. Like stuff could happen quick. And uh, I've just been lucky over the years. I really rely upon my my fitness and savvy, but that'll only get you so far. Like eventually something's going to happen. So yeah, um, dude, I, I totally should uh, order one. I, I don't think we get next day here in Ennis. Like we live in a pretty rural area, <laughs> but I bet you're right. I bet you I could get one here in a couple days and probably be here before my hunt. So that would be a good thing to add uh, to my kit. I mean, I've always got 550 cord and things, but um, yeah, I mean, it's not like you want to be trying to MacGyver something up when something happens. Like you got to get that thing on right now. If you're, if you're doing a tourniquet, like you're bleeding out, you know, and 30 so, seconds. Uh, yeah. You, so you, you, you roughly 30 have 30 seconds. seconds before you lose consciousness. So not only yeah. does it not need, it can't. So I used to carry one in my pack until I took a couple classes and like learned a little bit more stuff about it. And then you listen to the guys from Fieldcraft, which are awesome and know all that kind of stuff. And then I talked to like Austin and uh, those guys about all that med stuff. And it's like, you have, you can have a tourniquet in your pack and that's great if you have to help somebody else. But if you're out there by yourself, you need to have it accessible to where you look down and you see blood spurting out. You need to put it on because you have about 30 seconds before you lose consciousness that you can apply that. So that's, I mean, that's, that's rapid. That is a rapid application. And that's something I never thought of, but now I actually have implemented it into my routine to where not only do I practice it, but my kids have these safety backpacks that they carry around with them and they take them when we go out on hiking trips and all that kind of stuff. And within those, they have all that kind of stuff, that med type stuff. And even though they can't use a rat's tourniquet because it's too hard for them to be able to pull it, they have one that has a windlass on it and they can't use it on themselves, but they could use it to put it on somebody else and they actually practice it, which is, it just, it warms my heart to see that, to know that, you know, they're taking interest in something like that and potentially if they ever had to, could save my life or, you know, my wife's or somebody else's. Uh, it's super smart, dude. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a matter of time before, you know, me or somebody else is in that situation. Yeah. Being prepared for it is everything. 30 seconds. Yeah, that's that's pretty quick to cut my shoelace and get a stick in between and twist it up. So, yeah, I should definitely add a tourniquet. So I would say get the rats just because they're easier to apply for yourself. Or even if you didn't get a rats, I would go with like a North American Rescue. I think they're on like Cat 7 or something like that. Super lightweight. And then you could even order like a tourniquet holder. You put it right on your pack belt. It's there. It's always there, ready to go. And then with that being said, 
um, you know, I'm kind of just wondering how, um, how, how's this hunt going to go down? You, you're, you're high country, Colorado. Yeah, I've got a couple of them coming up. So this one here in a few days is high country, Nevada. And then, yeah, I've got a high country, Colorado as well. Are you going solo? No. Um, well, kind of, I've got, uh, I've got a cameraman I'm going to bring. Um, so we're trying to capture a lot of these hunts this season. And so, yeah, I've got a good young go-getter that I'm super pumped with. that's going to be going. So I'm not solo, but, uh, you know, he's definitely younger and doesn't have the experience that I have and I will be leading the team. Uh, but I, but I do have somebody going with me. I've actually got my buddy Dan is going to Colorado as well. He's got a tag there as well. See, so, so yeah, now you need some... that three pack, Brian. You need that three pack. Oh my god! So if all three one. of us need a tourniquet, we're in real trouble. Man. <laughs> Not that all three of you need it, but all three of you have one. Because so yeah, my yeah, whole yeah. thing was like when I saw the whole Dave Brinker thing, and I've mentioned it so many times. But when he was out with Corey Jacobson, and I don't remember who else he was with, but if he would have been like an inch. And just an inch off from where his actual wound was, it could have been a lot more serious of a situation. And that's kind of what like started opening up my eyes that, hey, man, we play with sharp, pointy sticks and things that punch holes into things. And it's like, man, I really need to up my game on that, too. So that's what kind of inspired me to do that. Get super smart, man. Be prepared for these moments. And you're right, those razor blades on the end of six different arrows. Stuff happens quick. You know, not only David Branker, I remember another guy shot something and was looking for the end of his arrow, stabbed it into his calf like that same way, just from the end of his arrow. So yeah, that stuff can happen quick. I I I get, you know, I work around danger all the time. Like I construction <laughs> site, power tools like backcountry, like a, my, my trail running. Like I took a spill off the Sphinx last year that was so gnarly that, you know, I was coming down full speed off the top of that thing and just tripped and went full Superman into the rocks or whatever. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Like I get this false sense of confidence and it's, um, I, I definitely, as the years go on, well, not even as the years go on, just in general, I just need to be safer and be ready for these that come up. So I need to have some sort of a safety kit in my running pack, which I don't have, you know, I need to have a better backcountry kit for the, for my wilderness hunting and which I, you know, mine's pretty pathetic. Mine's uh, <laughs> some gauze and some duct tape and a couple Advil or whatever, you know, but, um, yeah, definitely a guy should go down that rabbit hole and be prepared for any situation. Cause that stuff happens quick and you got to react fast. So yeah, man, you're smart for doing it. Thank you, Brian. It's been awesome. I uh, really like talking to you and getting all this kind of insight into the mind of Brian Barney, aka the Mountain Goat, because it's pretty amazing watching. I like. I was smoked when when we were at the summit. I was absolutely smoked going there, and then on top of that, had some elevation altitude stuff going on, and then here you are running up to the the peak of a <laughs> the summit of a different peak and then coming back down and man that's awesome to see that and hopefully one day I can get myself into that condition to where uh I can be doing that too and pushing myself like that um but I appreciate it and can you kind of tell everybody you, I know you mentioned it earlier where they can find you but if they want to maybe get a hold of you or read some of your stuff or any of that they, where they can find it yeah, so um, Eastman's Elevated is the podcast, uh, so you can find that anywhere you find podcasts. And then, um, yeah, a lot of my writing is in the Eastman's magazines or on the website. 
there at Eastman's. And then also we have videos. You can watch them outdoor channel. And then also on YouTube, just search Eastman's hunting TV. And we're going to be releasing more of these episodes that were filmed for the outdoor channel that now we have permission to release to YouTube. So we're going to continue to release those and got some good ones coming up from last season. Got this big adventure. I went on, it was another Nevada hunt and uh, went deep into the hunt uh, seven, eight days. Um, I was hunting with my buddy, Dan, and we were switching off filming each other on stocks and ended up arrowing a really nice buck, but really pushing my limits as far as, um, hydration level is concerned. I think we did three days and we were, I had 16 ounces of water that morning and we ended up pushing all day and killing that buck in the afternoon. Dan had, I think 32 to start the day, but we were empty of water and, and had to tie that buck up in a tree and try to make our way out to the truck. And then I packed in the, the next morning before light and packed them out. But just this, this grueling high country hunt where it all came together and arrowed this buck and pushed myself to, to really my limits. So that's a super cool film. I saw the edit on and I'm really proud of it. So that'll be coming out. Um, but yeah, and find me on um, Brian underscore Barney on Instagram. Uh, I try to post consistently on there, although uh, it doesn't always happen, but uh, try to give <laughs> updates and um, uh, let guys know, you know, uh, uh, how my season's going and where I'm at. So, yeah, super cool, man. I really appreciate you having me on. And and you look fit. You look like you're skinny and in shape. You look like you're ready to rip for the mountains. No, I'm just a chubby Midwestern kid, Brian, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> you're being modest. Yeah, you look good. You look like you've been working hard. A little bit. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Brian. It's always good talking to you. Yep, no worries. My pleasure. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.